Yo, what's up? It's your man Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. You got it locked on the Pals for Life radio. New internet radio station for the 80s, 90s, and 2000 hits. Including yours truly, Montel Jordan. Listen live at PalsRadio.com. Because this is how we do it. Keyboard Cat, Hamilton the Pug, and Toast Meets World. These are some of the Internet's most beloved pets. And they all have one thing in common. Their stories started in a shelter. Start your story. Adopt a dog or cat today. Visit theshelterpetproject.org to find a pet near you. Training that pet to play the keyboard, that's optional. Start a story. Adopt a shelter or rescue pet today. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. How's it going? I'm having a stroke. Are you going to shake my hand? I'm having a stroke. Wow, you're not even moving your arm. I'm having a stroke. When someone is having a stroke, they may not be able to say it with words, but their body language will tell you loud and clear. Look for FAST. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911 immediately. Know the sudden signs. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. The storks are bringing me a baby brother. We can do this. Together. All right, let's go. Storks know how to keep kids safe. Do you? What? Oh, my gosh, you don't know. <gasps> I know. You don't. <laughs> oh, man, you laugh when you're uncomfortable. <laughs> no. Making sure your child is in the right car seat is one of the steps to safer travel. I will rock this. You will rock this. To know for sure that your child is in the right car seat for their age and size, visit safercar.gov slash the right seat. Cool, cool, cool. Very cool, very cool. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. In a world of uncertainty and despair. Two heroes have reunited when they're needed the most. Live from the Pals for Life studios, it's the SM Show. Here are your hosts, Shane Ryan and Mike Bowers. Welcome back. Hello there. It is five, or excuse me, it is two o four in the morning in Rome, Italy, and you are listening to the S and M Show, Week Two. My name is Mike Bowers, and I am joined as always by Shane Ryan. What up? What up? How you doing, Shane? We uh, we've done a week of this already. How do you feel? We didn't get kicked off the air, but that's probably because we own the station. But, uh, you know, <laughs> hey, it was one 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 week down. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. We learned some stuff. We had some good times. We had some great people, some great listeners. So uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty pumped for our for our first episode. Hope uh, hope the, uh, the 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 people felt the same way. But you know, excited to be back and hopefully get better each time. Right? Yeah, feeling pretty good about it. So uh, I guess what did you do since the last time we got together? 
since the last time we got together, I did some home improvements. So we've been kind of, you know, spent the time doing the uh, doing the home improvement thing while we've been sitting at home looking at the house. And it's been quite a story. We can get into that later. We can get into it now, whatever. But I had had some issues with uh, with some mass orders that we had and some delays and backups. But um, other than that, I finally got uh, got my COVID shot. So I'm finally uh, part of the cool kids club. Did you get the 5G already? Mine didn't come 5G. until later. Because, you know, it's, this is all a 5G conspiracy. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, I unfortunately I did not get that yet. Okay, I think that comes with the second shot. So Second shot? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, you know, stay tuned to that. I think the second one you'll get a text from Bill Gates. And... I got notifications from Apple that my battery's down to like 77%. <laughs> that checked out. But you know, does that count? Yeah. <laughs> Is that it was from the five G? Is it time to uh, to change your uh, your battery then? Isn't it with an iPhone always like time to change your battery? Like I feel like it depreciates like a car off the lot. Like it's never worth what it's meant meant to be, and it's just like severely decreases from the time. Like hey, it's yours now. You bought it. Yes, absolutely. Because every time, I mean, I've had a lot of iPhones over the years. Like when they did the. Uh, they did a settlement recently where they uh, paid out because they were sabotaging the battery. And it right. was like, like, if you had these phone types, you get like $25. And I started doing the math and I'm like, holy shit, I think I might be able to retire with the number of the different number of phones you own. Yeah, because it's not just like, it's not just, you know, one version of it. Sometimes I'd get bored and switch carriers. So it'd be like the iPhone 7 Plus on Verizon and T Mobile right. and. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that check if it ever comes. Um, so are you the are you the type of person that would like just upgrade because you could upgrade, or are you that person that like broke your phone all the time and like always had to upgrade? Never broke my phone. I uh, I don't think I ever cracked a screen or anything. It would usually be here's something new that's shiny and I want to get it, and I'd always have to find a way, mostly to do it without actually spending any of my money to do it so it'd right. be like here's this cool trade-in promotion we'll give you a free phone that sort of thing always have to find maximize what you can yeah exactly so um yeah so that's all i got <laughs> so you got the vaccine you did some home improvements anything else no that was really a big one the how did, how did you so the vaccine did you which one did you get did you get pfizer did you get moderna i did moderna um i think i've been fully vaxxed for little over two months right now. Um, I think I was one of the ones that benefited uh, or that was lucky. And I didn't really have any side effects other than a sore arm and maybe a little bit of uh, fatigue. But I didn't get the chills. I didn't get the fever, the night sweats, anything like that. So I'd like to think I was fortunate in that regard. Yeah, it's not, I mean, if you heard some horror stories, mine wasn't that bad. I was a little out of it yesterday. I got a, I got the, sh- the the Pfizer shot, and then the first one was just minimal. Like that night, my arm, like when I woke up, my arm was a little slower, but that was pretty much about it. And this one, same thing, couldn't sleep, and then I just kind of felt like real achy and right. just exhausted yesterday and kind of hazy. But benefit of work from home is that you know I wasn't I didn't have any too important on the calendar just in case I had to call out but it was you know I was able to do what I needed to do get everything done was tired went to bed early slept like a baby last night now I'm back to back to normal yeah excellent so did you say that was shot one or two those two I'm good I'm good okay so you're good so we can hang out in a couple weeks 
Yeah, we can play beer pong, drink from the water cup, lick doorknobs if we want to do that. Not wash my hands in the bathroom anymore. Like all the you know the rebel stuff. Yeah. What was the uh, what was the one game? Was it Can Jam that we would play in college? Yes, one of the one of the greatest greatest lawn games of all time. Uh, shout out Western New York because that's where it was. That's where it was founded, and that's where it kind of grew to, to prominence. I don't know if it's at the prominence yet. It's not the like the slam ball level, but. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to see it now and hear people talk about it, like, you know, just out randomly and you see people playing it and it's like, I remember that 15 years ago. Well, I remember when we, because we used to play it a lot in college, going to college in Western New York. Mm -hmm. A lot of my friends were from the Buffalo area where, you know, it was big. They would have the National Can Jam World Championships there. And so, you know, when when I got my set, we played it all the time for senior year. And then brought it down to Clemson to play. And then I remember a bunch of people started enjoying it, whether it be like you guys playing at, at the tailgates, random fans asking me, what's that game wanting to play? Because that was one thing we always had, like either random Clemson fans or whatever the other team fans pop in and play. And we always had a good time doing it. And then I remember like uh, our my, my boss at the time, uh, B. Epting, he, uh, he really enjoyed it and ended up ordering a set. And I remember that like, all of a sudden, I guess he ordered it a little bit later than everybody else. Yeah. But this guy asked, why is there all of a sudden a ton of orders for Can Jam? Because it's very much a regional game. Right. For, Southern, uh, for South Carolina, down in Clemson, South Carolina. And it was just kind of funny that he was like, yeah, the guy when I ordered asked him why, like, where did I hear about it? How did it happen? So it was just kind of funny that it just started expanding. So, you know, not that I want to take credit for it, but. Uh, felt like it helps help spread the game a little bit. You should get a uh, a finder's fee uh, for some of the orders. Yeah, there you go. Some royalties. I think that's the word I was looking for. Hey, why not? Yeah. Um, so just so everybody knows, we're doing a simulcast of this as well on Facebook. Uh, so if you want to see us actually do this and some of the magic that goes behind it, uh, you're in the right place. If you see our pictures constantly shifting back and forth, it's because I forgot how this works. So I keep minimizing Shane, which minimizes both of us. Um, so now that I realize what I'm doing, we're going to get us back up there and it's going to be fine. And apologies for that. But yeah, we're going big with show number two. I'm just glad I don't think keep saying bad radio all the time. Well, I mean, I guess I should for a common courtesy for our radio listeners. But you know, at the same time, at least people get to see me then. So it's not totally, totally me lying and you know those who can see me i swear to god i'm not being held hostage i'm just in my basement because my voice is loud and it's uh it's important to acknowledge that uh while there will be while we are simulcasting it will not have the music because the copyright goblins would go after us so if you want all the music that comes with it you got to listen live um same goes for the podcast mike can just sing in breaks should have been down some Steve Perry, yeah. Okay, I just did it again. I literally just said out that's I wasn't going to do it, and I did it again. So we'll worry about that in a minute. Um, <laughs> multitasking is hard. So you had an eventful weekend, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit more tiring than than one imagined, but you know, held off with the Easter holiday, which was nice, and it was, it was good. We had good weather in Western New York. What about what about yourself? So uh, Tuesday was mine and Amanda's second wedding anniversary. Uh, Happy anniversary. Thank you. So uh, it's we have not had an anniversary that wasn't in the pandemic. So it's going to be really weird when we finally have one that's uh, pandemic free. 
But we ended up going to, uh, we needed a change of scenery. So she, uh, or we, we decided we were going to just run a hotel room for the night just to get a change of scenery. We stayed local. Uh, and she had two, she had really two requirements for wherever we chose to stay. And that was one that it needed to be a place with an indoor pool where she could swim for a little bit, even if it was, you know, socially distanced and there were some restrictions in place, but she wanted to get in the water and she wanted to basically do a different routine than what we normally do of watching TV or reading, you know, lounging around. Like she wanted to, you know, just have it change the scenery, different routine for the day. So got a request. Yeah, it's fair. So, uh, in my infinite wisdom, got a hotel room in Bellevue, which is uh, just outside of Seattle. The okay. pool, the pool was closed, and oh. we uh, ended up uh, watching the national championship or uh, the final four and watching SNL. So, uh, nailed it! I totally uh, excelled at meeting every requirement, and by every requirement, I mean I did not meet one of them. So, uh, fortunately. Amanda is a great trooper. She's a good sport. And uh, we still had fun. It was good. Uh, but definitely uh, not <laughs> anything that she asked for. So going to have to make that up to her at some point. But all the weather's getting nicer, right? So, you know, you, you should be able to hopefully in the world. Hopefully it's opening up a little bit better. People are going to be a little more vaccinated. So, yeah, hopefully, let's... hopefully you can deliver just a rain check. Let's hope. But all in all, it was good, especially watching the uh, that Gonzaga-UCLA game. That was something else. I, can, I, can I be full disclosure? Yeah. Can I, can, I, can I be honest? I did not watch much of the final, uh, much of the, the NCAA tournament this year, and that's that was hard for me to, to kind of understand. I guess it's maybe because I'm currently in, like, a, a battle with, like, what type of TV provider I want to do and Right. I probably could go a bunch of other legal stream routes, but right now I've been going back and forth between like Hulu Live and the the Monopoly known as Spectrum because that's what they kind of got in our area. Over right. Here. Yeah. And go back and forth because I got and I keep fighting for the agreements because like things I want to watch like like important to me is like Clemson sports obviously. Right. And then like Yan- Yankee games like the one thing I like watching and I was excited to move back to New York was about to be able to watch Yankee games and then. Hulu and Yes Network got in a beef, so then I had to switch back to Spectrum. But then now Spectrum and Roku are in a beef. So, like, <laughs> I have a ton of Roku devices everywhere, Roku-enabled TV. And, like, I don't want to buy all these st- stupid Spectrum boxes because I don't really want to be with Spectrum long-term until after the, baseball, until after the baseball season. Yeah. But it's like, now I can't watch on these things. So, you know, luckily Yes has an app so I can watch the Yes games in bed, but I can't, like, get any regular cable feeds so it was just kind of a pain in the butt for me to, to do it and i know i could have downloaded like cbs app or whatever and, and gotten the national championship but it was just kind of after after st bonaventure and clemson both crapped the bed in the first round i kind of was just like whatever nca sucks i'm gonna i'm gonna sit in my pity party and not watch this amazing tournament that people were talking about and, yeah and it was sad because i was so pissed off last year i really do enjoy watching it but i was just this year i just couldn't find the motivation to, to do so, I guess. It's hard. I mean, uh, you know, we're we're sports fans just as much as anybody, and it's just hard to get excited about sports right now. Price was talking about that last week that, you know, it's aside from college football and I guess to some degree the NBA bubble, nothing has right. – it all feels weird. 
Um, even yeah. even college football felt weird because you know people were getting sick left and right because there's a pandemic going on. So yeah, it's weird. Uh, I just can't get into it like I used to. But it was it was still exciting. I mean, the games I watched were always good, but then it's also prioritizing life these days because now I got the little one running around. Like so, it's. I got to monopolize, like, one of us have bedtime duty, and then so I'm not watching TV while I'm doing bed, and then it's just, you know, after that, after I just lay down and got her to sleep, do I really want to go turn on a game and try to get into it? It's just, it's a whole everything just kind of being weird these days of what excites me, what doesn't excite me. No, I get it. I mean, obviously I don't have a kid, but I get it, Um, what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. Um but that game, I mean, we didn't we didn't watch all of it. Uh, it's not like we sat around and watched basketball for four hours straight. But that ending, that the last shot, my god, who's got on- onions, man? That was that was awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. I've I did watch the highlights. There is rarely a time where I have an audible reaction to just about anything um, that I'm watching. You know, from the comfort of my own home or you know, somewhere else, basically anything on TV, it's hard to actually have a visceral reaction, but that I jumped up, Amanda audibly exclaimed, and she doesn't really care about basketball. It was just, did we just see what we thought we saw? It was, you know, for us, we, when we were young, it was Christian Leitner and is basically that, that shot, right? but except much farther away and just, yeah, it was, it was absurd. And then are you, you are a, would you consider yourself a Gonzaga fan now being in the, the area working in there, that culture? Like, would you, do you, do you follow them? Do you pull them for them because of regional? Like, how does that, how does that tie work? I don't really have a, I don't really have a feeling one way or the other. Um, like when I worked at EWU, I pulled for them. Um, Gonzaga, it was, it was nice that there was such a powerhouse team that was close by, but. I mean, I never went to a game. I didn't go out of my way to follow them or anything. Right. Um, I have people that, or I know people that have worked there, do work there, went there. Um, so, you know, I was happy for them for that moment. But, I mean. Short-lived. Yeah. I mean, when it came around, when it came around to Monday, it was, you know, they were obviously disappointed. And, again, I, it didn't matter to me. Uh, you know, so you get a lot. You get a lot more of him than I do. But what's your, what are your thoughts on Bill Walton? Did you watch his reaction after the game? To the Gonzaga shot or the, the yeah. final game? The, the reaction to the Gonzaga shot. I don't think I've seen it. He just stood up and started just clapping. Just <laughs> like, because he's a diehard UCLA. Like, he is UCLA basketball. And he was just like, that's basketball. And he was just, he was just like, it was just like no reaction, like total pro. Yeah. Only the way that Bill Walton can just be like oblivious to everything. Yeah. Did you see his final four picks before the tournament? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> so he picked uh it was USC uh okay. or excuse me, University of Southern California. We know where the real USC is even though we don't like him. Southern um, California. <laughs> <laughs> so he picked Southern Cal, UCLA, Colorado um Trying to think of who else. So all Pac-12 teams. It was five Pac-12 teams. <laughs> he picked five Pac-12 teams for his final four. That's amazing. Yeah. So obviously two of them were going to play each other, and they did. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that, I mean, I love Bill Walton. He's just... He can, his own, he beats to his own drum. He can rant for 30 minutes in the middle of a game about a, a Grateful Dead concert, and... I feel like that's just constantly his brain. It's like just the replaying of like Grateful Dead concerts and drums and character, man. I have to wonder what his life in college was like. You have to think he did a ton of drugs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the dude seemed like, I think I listened to an interview, he's, he's been like 70 Grateful Dead shows. Yeah, he just he just travels. Going to Grateful Dead concerts. I I admire someone that can have the uh, time and the energy and the resources to do that. But I, yeah, I sure as heck could not do that. Um, but switching, or I guess uh, wrapping this up a bit before we uh, take a quick break. Um, one of the things we did do, uh, we have uh, later on today, we're going to have our friend uh, Doug Davidson. He's a film critic. He's the head of the North Carolina Film Critics Association, among other things. Uh, we obviously, when you get to our ages, it's hard to get people that can nailed down for uh, two hours on a Thursday evening. So we taped the interview with him in advance. It's really great. It's actually going to be two parts. Uh, we got so much good stuff out of it. Uh, but when we were together on Monday night taping it, right when we finished up, the game was about to start. So um, Shane and I decided to record our predictions. It's kind of the uh, 2021 version of writing something in an envelope and sealing it. Uh, so I let me cue this up really quick. Uh, I don't, don't want to spoil it yet, but one of us was very much right on the prediction. One of us was very, I uh, was less right. All right. Well, it is 619 Pacific time on Monday, April the 5th. The national championship game for the men's NCAA tournament starts in less than 60 seconds. But we wanted to go ahead and make some predictions so that we can come back on Thursday and show how right or wrong we were. So, Shane, we got Gonzaga, we got Baylor. Who do you think takes it? I'm going. I'm going for the underdog, my friend. I'm going Sikkim. Uh, I got. Um, I got a good friend who lives out in the the Texas area. Went to Baylor for for uh, undergrad and grad. They posted me for. They, they flew me out there to be a uh, a judge for their sorority and fraternity skit competition. So I'm I'm all in on the Baylor Kool Aid. I'm going with the upset set Baylor 82, Gonzaga 75. Okay, so the good thing about this is that one of us will be right uh, because I'm going to go Baylor, uh, partially because of my time in Waco, Oakland area. Got to know quite a few people from there. And also because that game this weekend was amazing. Uh, I think they're riding high. I'm going to go Baylor 86, Gonzaga 70. So there you have it. We'll see how right or wrong we were. One of us will at least get the team right. Watch it end up being like a 40-38 game or something like that. A defensive struggle. Yeah. Game. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's us, and uh, we'll see how it turned out here on the SM show on Pals for Life Radio. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, well played, sir. Well so, played. So, as you can hear, I was spot on in prediction. Uh, there was no post editing to that whatsoever. Um, yeah, I mean, you were right, too. So, I mean, we both got the <laughs> team right. 
uh, I was I was closer on the score. I think I got it exact, but um, yeah, it was good. It was a good game. <laughs> so, well, so shout out shout out Tanner if you're listening. He said he might listen tonight. So if he is, my man Taylor, uh, uh, my man uh, Tanner out in uh, Baylor. So what's up, Tanner? So uh, we're gonna take a quick break for some music because that's what we do here. Uh, you are listening to the S and M show on Pals for Life Radio, and we will be back in just. A minute. So oh, what's up? It's your man Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. You got it locked on the Pals for Life Radio, new internet radio station for the 80s, 90s, and 2000 hits, including yours truly, Montel Jordan. Listen live at palsradio.com because this is how we do it. We're still getting the hang of this. Welcome back. Uh, I won't go over what we just played because you probably recognize most of it um, if you grew up that in the... That was amazing. Yeah? That was amazing. Yeah? Well played, sir. Well played, sir. <laughs> uh, For those of you who don't know, Mike surprised me with that one. That was that was probably the most amazing surprise I've had in a long time. Like, he absolutely nailed that advertisement. It's amazing because uh, I was telling you earlier, uh, we did... We've done a couple different ads now at this point um, for the for the station, trying to get more likes, trying to increase our profile a bit. Uh, obviously, we both work in education, so it's not like we have a massive uh, advertising budget by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but so the last time I did it, I one think one day, my friend, one day we will. Yes, once this blows up, put it out. Once it blows <laughs> up, we'll be okay. Uh, but. I uh, I think I put down like forty dollars on the last one, and I think we got twenty eight likes over five days. So nothing, uh, nothing too great. And then I did one yesterday with this uh, Montel Jordan uh, cameo, and I think at the beginning of the day yesterday we were at something like seven hundred and five likes on our Facebook, including those. Uh, maybe bought ones that I didn't know I was buying them. So, uh, so like the guy, so, the guy from India and all his, all his burner accounts. Yeah. So it was like seven Oh five and today we're up to eight thirteen, Um, and it's, it's through the ad, like the, the, uh, metrics are showing that they're clicking, that they're, uh, signing up, they're liking the page. It's amazing. So, uh, one, how awesome of like, uh, of an ad was that? Like, it, it, the dude just nailed it. Like, how much? How I've never done like a cameo like that. Did you have to script some of that? Did he come up with it on his own? How'd that whole thing play out? I think I said something like, uh, "Looking to do an ad for Pals for Life Radio. Uh, we play the eight. We play eighties, nineties, and two thousands music, including Montel Jordan. Uh, you can listen live at palsradio.com. I mean, it was maybe four yeah. sentences, um, and he he ran with it. Uh, and I was especially appreciative of him singing because when you look at some of the other musicians on there, uh, I think of uh, uh, Cisco, for example. Uh, he, like in his cameo, which by the way, for a business cameo for him, it's like $1,000. Um, and he puts in the thing, like, I will not sing for any of these. Uh, whereas, I mean, Montel, he was like, I didn't even have to ask. He just sang. Uh, so one of the things we'd like to do, uh, since it, since we're kind of on the topic is we want to do more of those, 
just because it's it's fun. I mean, this whole thing is meant to be fun, uh, but obviously we're not gonna we're not gonna spend our life savings trying to do this. Um, not yet, anyway. But uh, what we'd like to do is uh, we've just set up a GoFundMe earlier today, and if you're if you're interested and able and willing, anything you can pitch in is welcome. The more we raise, the more of these we'll do. Uh, we've been looking at things like uh, the different members of InSync, uh, aside from Justin Timberlake and JC, of course. Uh, my favorite one is LeVar Burton of uh, Star Trek and Reading Rainbow fame. Uh, but of course, unsurprisingly, because it's LeVar Burton, his price is like $3,000. So obviously, right. not looking to drop that uh, on a ad for Palace for Life Radio just yet. But uh, anybody that can pitch in, uh, we have a link to the fundraiser on our Facebook page. Every amount is welcome. If you pitch in at least a hundred bucks, we'll send you a T-shirt. Uh, we just got some T-shirts made. I think mine. I don't know about yours, but mine are shipping as of today. I think uh, I ordered mine a day a day afterwards. Okay. Uh, as I men- as I mentioned to you, my wife refused to put something with my face on it <laughs> uh, on her body. So you know, understandably so. I mean, she's got to look at me all the time. Why did she have to have it where like? strewn across her chat so i get it yeah it's, um, so it's we, fair uh, so we got a couple logo options so the uh the so those of you who are wondering why there's like hey there's the new logo and then there's our old logo the old logo is because my wife doesn't want to wear my face on her chest which is fine well i i, I will call that a throwback a throwback to two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> or three weeks ago i guess it's been a month now whenever we started this it's a throwback to a month ago which is perfectly okay but yeah, if you're on Facebook, check out our Facebook page. We'll work a way, figure out a way to get it on the website as well. Any amount you can pitch in to get us more celebrities to pitch our uh, pirate ship of an internet radio station is welcome. And uh, all proceeds go to the show. If we don't get to where we want, it'll be thrown back into the show one, one way, shape, or form, whether it be like t-shirts to give away on the air for callers coming in, stuff like that. Like It'll all go right to this. We're not trying to retire off this. We're just trying to have more fun and not have to take too much of a financial hit. Exactly. So, um, switching gears a bit uh, earlier, and we're we're I'm, I'm bringing this up because I want to give an opportunity for people to to participate, call in, text. Um, in case you don't remember, the phone number to call or text is six six nine three six nine pals. That number again is six six nine three six nine seven two five seven. You can text or call, uh, but we wanted to at least start the conversation, hopefully get some feedback. Mentioned my anniversary uh, was uh, this past week. Uh, and it just, it, I, it got me thinking and Shane, and I've talked about this a little bit. Uh, Shane, you've been with, uh, you've been with Steph for close to 15 years now. Uh, yes. And that math is, that math is correct. That math is correct this time. I, I screwed <laughs> up my anniversary last week for uh, last year for all of you that, uh, that listened. Uh, Mike actually had my anniversary date down. I, I didn't. I couldn't do the math. I confused it with when I moved from Florida when I got married, which was three years different. So, but again, I apologize. I apologize, Steph. I know you're not listening, but I apologize <laughs> anyway in case you listen to the podcast tomorrow. But again, what is math nowadays? What are numbers? I mean, we're in a pandemic. That's, what is anything? Uh, yeah, I didn't have my calculator. Everyone uses a calculator anyway. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which, I just say I'm doing Common Core. No one will understand what the hell that means. <laughs> carry the five. Draw a box around the four. 
Uh, but you, <laughs> I can't wait till my kid and I have to actually tell her to do math. Like I've talked to parents who have to do the Common Core. Oh god, it's a nightmare. So oh god, I've got I've got a rant on that or a take on that, but I'll save it for another day. Uh, but you know, you you two have been together fifteen years. You were together what seven years, six years before you got married. Um, yep. Amanda and I were have been together for. Guess it'll be twelve years in September. Uh, no, thirteen years. Excuse me, thirteen years in September. Uh, we've been married just uh, over two now. So it, it got me wondering: When did you know that Steph was the one? Like, what what moment? Can you pin it down to a moment or a series of events where you were like, "This is the person I absolutely want to spend the rest of my life with"? Not saying you necessarily proposed on the spot or anything, but. Right. When you knew, like, okay, this is, I'm in this for the long haul, I know. It's it's probably like a stream of moments that, like, it just kind of all built up and led on to another. So I don't know if I can pinpoint, and it's, it's not even me trying to, like, get out of it, because I've been thinking about it. Like, you even pitched this to me as an idea last week, and we just, you know, who knew that we were not going to get to half the stuff that we decided we were going to talk about in our show? Two hours goes real fast. Um, that that's a staple on our show by the way so it is what it is i mean and we should have known that because like that was that was a problem what back in clemson 13 years ago we had the same problem but yeah us and our four our our four page agendas where we'd get to one page of it (laughs) let me talk about all this you just you just riff right but um (laughs) so i think i think i think where it came down to it was a couple different things so like real like funny things to fill people in is like steph and i met in our freshman orientation we were in the same class we weren't in the same major until later, but we like we we met in our freshman orientation through a mutual friend, which was you know kind of cool. So I've known her my entire time I was at my undergrad institution. Um, sophomore year, she shut me down in a pizza place, which is probably great. I wasn't a great human being my sophomore year. I did a lot of growing up sophomore year to junior year, um, and but then uh, it was kind of like the last end of my our our senior year, right? So like it was the it was our senior year. Um, you and I met briefly at, you know, Saugus. Uh, now it's what Cougars at Clemson, but like Saugus, the the, yeah. the the graduate assistantship thing. And we didn't know what was going on. I didn't take advantage of it. I was like super stressed because I got in last minute, didn't get to meet anybody. So it was one of those things where, but then like I, I set foot on campus and I'm like, man, if I get this offer, like I'm going here. Like the campus was beautiful. The people were awesome. Like everything just kind of felt right and everything fell into place. Um, I was dating someone else at that time. Um, and then literally when I came back that like next week, I, I've actually, you know, secretly here's a fun story. If we have any of our friends listening, I kind of got, I got tipped off that I was going to get the offer <laughs> before I left. So after, after our interview process, I went around and said, thank you to everybody. And then the person who hired me is like, I'll call you next week. <laughs> so it was like, I was like, Oh, sweet. So like, in my mind, I'm flying home and I'm like, I'm going to South Carolina. Right. And so, um, so that was his last interview of the day. And so then I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to break up with his girlfriend. Cause I'm not going down to South Carolina with a girlfriend long distance. is not going to happen. So, and then plus I'm like, oh, all right, well, I can get to enjoy the last like 30, like three months of my, my senior year. And then I ended up meeting staff at a friend's house. It was a night that I wasn't feeling good. One of my friends called me out, maybe come over after like, violently getting ill getting some food poisoning i kind of dragged myself to go over there and through a mutual friend the same mutual friend who introduced me and steph invited her over to my friend's place at the same time and her and i just kind of talked for just hours i mean in the kitchen the entire time 
she made fun of me for not drinking. I ended up drinking terrible decisions. I was just kind of violently ill, had nothing on my stomach. So the night didn't start well, didn't end well, but we talked for the majority of it. I didn't make it out that night. They all did. And so then, um, from there, we literally spent like the next 30 days before graduation kind of just together. Um, whether it be just hanging out, doing stuff, talking, just spending just a ton of time together. And that person, like, we just kind of like bonded. And I was like, I, I, I thought I was never going to go down to South Carolina with a girlfriend. And then all of a sudden, like, I couldn't think of a time that I wasn't spending with her or hanging mm-hmm. out with her. And I don't want to say in the first 30 days I knew this person was it but I knew that someone was special. And then when I said goodbye to her, like the night before graduation, we had this talk, like, let's just try this long distance thing. I don't think it's going to, I don't know if it's going to work, but I'm just going to hate myself if, if I don't. So on like the steps before graduate of my house before graduation, we decided, Hey, we're going to just give this a shot. I guess like a week later, her mom found her a job down in South Carolina to work at that, um, that camp, that YMCA camp that helps with special needs folks, um, right at, uh, or right down the road from Clemson, right off of the, like, what was it, the, it was at 136 or whatever the road going towards Anderson is. There's that, like, YMCA camp that's over there. Her mom found her a job down there, and then she just kind of, we spent 30 days together, and she decided to move down to South Carolina temporarily just to <laughs> right. get closer. Yeah. I was like, all right, maybe this person finally, like, I, I can realize that, like, my feelings are reciprocated because, like, who does that? Right. Right. And then it just kind of from there just kind of spiraled and spitballed out of control. And now we have a kid who's amazing. We live in Western New York, which he said we never were going to do. Like it just kind of all spiraled from that. So I think that like that stream of like missed opportunities, fortunate, and unfortunate circumstances, and then just not wanting to spend each other and then realizing that someone would, you know, 30 days spending together would move across the country for you like that was just kind of like all right this person and i are on the same page and that's kind of what you know anytime that we had trouble we did we did distance for a while and it wasn't it was not amazing you know it's never fun you have good times bad times and but it's like what it got me through those those hard times was like hey when this person really didn't know you she did that it's like she she made that dedication to it so like i owe her the same in, in respect in respect and like you know distance makes you people you're not right so it makes and it, it exacerbates all the things that that you know you're not happy about or the little things just become bigger problems right um but if we made it through that so i think that was kind of like that moment where i'm like all right this person and i are on the same page so kind of answers your question but not really answers that question no it does it does i get it um so i'll give you the what and then i'll tell you the why because it's going to sound really weird but uh right so the what was um it actually was a short time before the wedding um where uh we was asleep in bed one night this is how amanda tells it i was asleep in bed one night uh she was still awake uh because you know we weren't married at that point so we have to we can't sleep together we have to take shifts so this was my shift to sleep uh while she stays awake um and i was asleep and uh, I reached over and I grabbed her hand, uh, and her initial reaction was like, Oh, this is so sweet. I get to marry this man. And then I ripped the biggest, most disgusting fart. And the way, the way she would tell it is that it was so awful that I had to check to make sure his body was not shutting down. 
Um, that's her version of events. So your insides were rotting, so you know it's a good one. Exactly. So <laughs> obviously that sounds really weird, but the why for that when I heard her tell that story, like kind Did you of eat chili. Yeah. <laughs> Don't eat, I don't eat chili as much as I used to, but... <laughs> I ate nothing but Mountain Dew and beef jerky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but when I, when, I heard her, when I heard her tell that story and kind of laughing about it, it really just hit me that, uh, you know, I am not, I'm not a perfect human being. I've got, I've got my own flaws. I'd like to think I'm perfect, but I'm not. I've got flaws. I contain multitudes and contradictions. Um, you know, as I mentioned last week, I don't, I haven't done the best job over the years at maintaining and, uh, growing relationships. I've often, I've sabotaged quite a few, uh, intentionally or not, uh, wrecked a few friendships. Uh, you know, it's, we've all been there. You live and you learn. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I haven't, I haven't been the most perfect thing or the most perfect person, but here is this person who is willing to love me and accept me for, exactly who i am like despite as despite how weird i can be at times despite you know having my insides rot at (laughs) two in the morning uh while she's trying to read like if if somebody can can not only accept me for that but laugh about it later you know that you know you found a winner so um obviously i knew i wanted to get married to her before that and everything but that really just cemented my decision that yes, this is this is my person. So there you go. It's amazing. It's amazing because like I know we were joking around in the commercial break, and I was like, I thought it was the moment when you guys had the common love for Howard the Duck, which is an amazing cinematic masterpiece in its own right. But to find somebody who loves Howard the Duck as much as you, I thought you were going to say that was it. But that that story's way 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 better. You know what's funny though is that we <laughs> when we when we watched it for our first date, we both had the same opinion that it doesn't hold up. Um, no, it, I, I watched it a couple like a couple months ago, and it, yeah, it definitely does it. Not a lot, a lot of those movies don't. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, uh, it was maybe there was just some mystique to it that gets lost over the years, but yeah, it just wasn't the same after God knows how many years. Right. Um. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. It's amazing. So uh, let's switch gears again here uh, before we take another break. Our cancel corner segment got a lot of positive feedback last week. It was kind of it was somebody mentioned it may be the new hot take Thursday, uh, which we technically haven't done yet, but uh, has always been a hit on social media over the years. Uh, but you know, since we got such a good uh, good feedback last time, you know, why not run it back, right? The catch is as uh, something new for the people. Yes, we have something new for the people because it felt kind of weird just diving into it. So now we have a, a nice little intro. So welcome to the cancel corner, Shane. Uh, I think I took the lead last week, so I'm going to turn it over to you to give your first how many, cancellation. How many how many we do in each? Because we got a, quite a list. Uh, let's just do two a piece and see where it goes. Two piece. All right. So uh, I'll bump one to the top of the list because I got a text message from my dad to let me know that he's listening. But the, the first thing I'm canceling is streaming service live sports delays. So Ooh. my dad, dad and I 
love watching sports and that's one of the things that 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 bind us and bond us and keep us throughout the years and the the thing that happens is when i switch to hulu live from live tv i now have the dreaded hulu sports or streaming service delays yeah my dad is noticeably noticeably ahead of me so while i love my dad and love my texting with him a million times uh, ten times out of ten he can't help himself when something amazing happens and usually it's around clemson football or something bad happens so it's just like nonstop, like oh my god and i'm like you know then like 10 seconds later they score a touchdown or my favorite is like when i got mad at him he then all of a sudden be like watch and i'm like oh shit something bad's gonna happen <laughs> or it was just and I, I love him to death i know he's listening shout out pops thanks for listening tonight but streaming service delays are the things i'm going to cancel right now because i'm trying to be a cord cutter i'm trying to be smart i'm trying to stick it to the man and then it's getting stuck to me while i'm watching the things that bring me joy in this world so uh love you pops but i'm canceling streaming service delays you've been canceled so we've canceled streaming service delays uh, and by the way i agree with that wholeheartedly a lot of the stuff i watch is via like the espn app and um, i've got a streaming app for comcast on the tv as opposed to the actual cable box and i remember i think it was a uh, uh, clemson georgia tech many many years ago um like maybe 2011 2012 um, or it might have been FSU. I can't remember. But anyway, uh, it was a game where Clemson was – they ended up losing. They were behind at the time. Uh, but it was close. And I remember watching uh, – they they forced a turnover. I think they got an interception. And so I'm on Twitter. I'm like, yeah. And then I see Terrence, who, you know, Terrence, the Twitter uh, Twitter uh, savant, He, I, I see his tweet where he's like – it was something negative. I'm like, wait, what? I, but this is good. And then, of course, right. five seconds later, uh, whoever was the quarterback at the time throws an interception to just piss the game away. So I feel you. I support you on that. It's it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, I got to stay off Twitter. I think I even have to disable, like, I have the alerts on my phone. Do you have your alerts on your phone or your watch where it's like, the Panthers just scored a touchdown. Oh, yeah, because they don't score touchdowns. But, um, oh. Womp, womp. <laughs> no, but I, I have, like, turn, I have to take off my Apple Watch because, like, it, even that is ahead of, like, the Hulu service delay. So, I'm like, I, I have to turn my phone over. I want nothing there. Stay off Twitter. It's brutal. The only alerts I have now are the final scores. But even then, like, if you're, if you're uh, driving late and you're behind and then all of a sudden you see this alert come in, it's like, I guess we're not going to overtime. Uh, so yeah, I, I fully agree on that. And just to do it again, you've been canceled. Okay. So I'm going to cancel for this week. The devil's advocate, the person that's just asking questions, you know, who I'm not the Robert De Niro movie. No, no. Like the actual person that likes to play the devil's advocate in your meetings and your conversations, your debates, whatever. No, not, not, uh, not De Niro. My bad. Uh, That's cool. Um, but you know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're having a discussion yeah. about something and it seems everybody's on the same page and you have this person that just takes the contrarian position and asks like, well, you know, I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just asking questions and blah, blah, blah. And then suddenly what seems like should have been a short conversation goes for 30, 45 minutes, an hour longer than it should have. And it's like, clearly you you have this opinion, but you're trying to couch it in the fact of, oh, I'm just asking questions. I'm not taking a side. <laughs> Clearly you are taking a side 
Because if you didn't care, and if you didn't feel that way, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be bringing this shit up and fighting it. Shut you up. Yeah, yeah, let it go. So, uh, devil's advocate. Uh, I'm not sorry, but you've been canceled. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll take another one because I want to give. Uh, I know what Shane wants to go with last. <laughs> uh, we hyped this a little bit, so um, I'm going to go with. Twitter, Twitter in general, actually. So, yes. Uh, So there's, there's two types of people on Twitter that just drive hot take Thursday. (laughs) Yeah. Let's actually, uh, let's, let's, let's kick that off officially then uh, since we've broached into that territory. And yes, I've got a song for that too. It's Hot Take Thursday. Uh, so if you also have hot takes, feel free to call in or text us at 669-369-PALS. But at Twitter, there, there are lots of great people on Twitter. Uh, Terrence, our friend, loves Twitter. He's good at it. Uh, I enjoy reading what he, what he says and uh, thinks. There's lots of other people I'm interested in their thoughts. But there's two types of people on Twitter that are taking it over and it just... It, infuriates me we have the the people that they retweet all these stupid opinions and these stupid takes and then you go to their profile and in their bio it's something like uh uh uh, retweets do not equal endorsements uh so like they're trying to pass off just because i'm retweeting it doesn't mean i agree with it now if you're if you're a news reporter and it's a prominent figure that's saying this thing i get it okay Famous person. Amen. Stand by it. Yeah. Famous person or political person says X. Yeah. Okay. It's newsworthy. But when you're just some random schmuck on Twitter and uh, you're not you're not couching this in any way of, you know, this is a stupid take or um, want to make sure people see this or whatever, you're endorsing it. Like, just own it. Um, it, it again, it's the devil's advocate thing of, uh, you know, I I agree with this. I just don't want to say I agree with it. I'm gonna I'm gonna couch it in some BS disclaimer. But the other people that I've seen that really just get under my skin are the people that post these stupid things for the sake of just getting retweets, which I guess is most of Twitter at this point. Um, but it's not like here's a cute video of a puppy with the expectation of it getting retweeted. It's uh, you know. I don't think we should murder puppies. Retweet if you agree. So then, of course, right. people see that and it's like, oh, well, I got to retweet that. That sounds I that's that's important. Well, you get people who are doing it for likes and wanting to get followers, but then you also got people who then it's on both sides, right? So you got that person, and then you have the other person who's like, I can't formulate my own opinion, so I'm just gonna keep retweeting others who can say it, so that I don't have to defend myself. Right. Exactly. Um, you know, it's. You don't have to. You own it without owning it. You don't, you don't have to own it, right? You can own it if you want to, or you don't have to. You just it gives you the way out. Yeah, like when I retweet something, unless I am attaching to it, this is a really stupid take. If it's just a straight up retweet, then I am saying like either this is important news, or I one hundred percent agree with this with this opinion, whatever. Uh, I don't just post stuff like 
here's this obvious uh, this obvious opinion that everybody has. Retweet if you agree. Um, like I, I do that when it says Gettleman sucks, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you already said it better than I can. Retweet. Yes. Um, so I mean, you know, between those folks, between the the cesspool of just toxic debate that it's turned into, um, I finally had to create a list of just. And I think I titled it cool people or something like that. Like these are the people I actually want to hear from. And I, I'd rather, you know, take 70 people and put them on a list and read their tweets than delete the hundreds and hundreds of people I'm following that I don't really care to follow anymore. Uh, but all that to say, Twitter is officially canceled. You've been canceled. <laughs> All right, uh, before we wrap this up, Shane, it is back to you for the big one. So if you haven't caught the theme, uh, a lot of the things that I've been canceling are things that my, my daughter has been into or things that she's been doing. And the one that I want to cancel this time, and you know, it may upset a few folks, and I apologize in advance, or maybe I do, maybe I don't, is the Berenstein Bears. So we all remember the Berenstein Bears. They're wholesome. They're amazing. They're, they're, there was great stories and things that brought us a lot of joy in our childhood. What I don't remember, because at the time I was four, was how much religion is actually written into the words of the Berenstein Bears. Really? So there is there is a ton. Like the Berenstein, uh, what is it? Who is it? Who is it? The Berensteins, or who's the one that wrote him? Um, I should know the name, but I can't. Is it Jan Berenstein or something like it's that? A, I think it's Jan and Berenstein, but they're they're extremely religious. Yeah. And I had no idea until like I started until we started getting sets for our daughter. So I guess there's like diet versions and then like drink the kool-aid version so we had to we gave away a whole set where it was just like overtly just religious proverbs worked into the the lines of of the stuff so you know if you believe in religion and organized religion and i believe there's a higher power so like totally all more power to you and there's a lot of values in there i went to a religious college so i get it what they're saying and people are there but I just did not realize how much is in there. So we had to like give away a whole set because it was just like a ton of it. And then there's others that we had that even the little ones, they, they, they bring in characters and all of a sudden recite that. So it's like, for me, it got me thinking like, okay, like I get it, but like, I already got to explain to my four-year-old all these different things. And then when they put it in, like they recite a proverb pervadum. Oh, and I have okay. to explain that to my, that to my daughter. Like I already it, it's just it's 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 crazy. I just did not realize how much was woven into those stories because I mean, and, and you know, maybe like I said, you're teaching the values. I get that it's there, but it was. I guess I just didn't as a four year old because you know you don't really comprehend that. You remember what your favorite story and what it isn't, and they're good stories. So right. But at the same token, it's just a lot. So it's, yeah. So if you are buying, buyer beware if you're bringing that in. If you want that, by all means, go for it. If you were unsuspecting of it, hey, if you have a kid, just remember, Berenstein Bears, super religious. So I feel like you should put like uh, one of those parental advisory stickers, like, you know, that we had on like our Coolio albums when we were a kid. Oh, yeah. Like explicit content, like explicit religion like you know that would be that would be cool to stick one of those on there just so you know if you wanted to do it so um again while wholesome and means well i am canceling the berenstein bears this year or this week you've been canceled oh well good thing we uh we own this because otherwise we'd probably be canceled after week two with that but that's the beauty of cancel corner we can cancel whatever we want and you can care or not so there you go. 
So we're going to take another break here. Uh, we're going to come back. We have a two-part interview with our friend Doug, uh, Doug Davidson. Uh, trying to think of what to play. I guess we'll take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back 10, 15 minutes. Pals for life. Yo, what's up? It's your man, Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. Got it locked on the Pals for Life radio, new internet radio station for the 80s, 90s, and 2000 hits, including yours truly, Montel Jordan. Listen live at palsradio.com because this is how we do it. All right, welcome back. We are live on Thursday, except we're not because it's Monday evening. Uh, we are here with our friend Douglas Davidson. He is a film critic. He's a member of the uh, Southeastern Film Critics Association, the current leader of the North Carolina Film Critics Association, and also a member of the Critics' Choice Association, which is the host of the Critics' Choice Awards uh, that you might see on TV every year. Uh, he's the founder of the Elements of Madness uh, film blog, as well as the co-host of the Cinnamon podcast. Uh, most importantly, he is also my friend of almost 20 years now. Uh, so, Doug, welcome old. to the show. Old. We are yeah. old. Yeah, it's it's weird. I, I was telling you before we started recording, I was watching Kevin Smith's Dogma. And yeah, that came out at least my freshman year of, mm -hmm. of college at UNCA. Good yeah, Lord, man, we've been around a minute. <laughs> I know. I, I still like to think that when I think of 2002, 2003, I'm like, oh, it was just a couple years ago. But, you know, it's 18. Yeah, it's weird. 19. I can't even do math. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't do math last week, so we're all good. I I, I did the math wrong on my anniversary. So that's a, a little oh, bit no. one up on me. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, oh, the good old days. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, they're all good now. I mean, it's weird looking looking yeah. back. It's it's all good now. Yeah, many many good years in uh, in Asheville, North Carolina. So, obviously, Doug, you know, I've known you for almost two decades, so I'm aware of your uh, love for the uh, for the cinema medium. Mm -hmm. uh, but just kind of curious, and for those who who don't know you that are listening. Talk to us a little bit about how you got started, how you took a passion for uh, film criticism, where that um, all started. Sure. Uh, first of all, if uh, you've heard this before, I apologize. And if you haven't heard this before, I apologize. It's not necessarily exciting. Uh, when, uh, my family on my mom's side would go on a lot of trips. Uh, there'd be an annual sort of reunion at a beach and we would watch movies and do all kinds of stuff as a group or in the hospitality room, they'd be playing movies, stuff like Charlie and the chocolate factory, back to the future, that kind of stuff. And so for me, it was, there was all this great, wonderful energy of hanging out and watching films and at home in Roanoke, Virginia, that's what we would do too. And we will watch a lot of movies and I have tons of memories of going to the theater and just seeing stuff over and over again. Cause when we were all kids, films would be in the theater for like six months to a year rather than maybe two months to three months before all of this went down. So with the cycle so long, I could see who framed Roger rabbit four or five times in theaters across like five or six months. And I did. <laughs> then again, uh, I think it was the matrix just had its 20th. No, 25th. Wait, 
it just had an anniversary. I forget what year it came out in 1999, April of 99. So I guess it's 22 years old now. And I saw that film uh, 10 times in theaters or 10 times on a big screen. If you include it, UNCA, when we brought it in for movies on the quad. Oh, man. And I count that because it was a big freaking screen that we brought in. Uh, We just watched it on a on the quad. So I've just I've always loved good stories. And when we were at UNCA, incidentally enough, I started off wanting to be an English teacher. So I was taking a lot of English literature and analysis courses. And as much as I loved reading and still do, I just found that I had a lot more fun analyzing film over literature. So I switched paths and the closest that I could do then was taking communications courses because it was more about making movies than studying them, though there were a handful that did. So I did that. And (laughs) because of another project working with you in radio with the Blue Echo, which is still (laughs) on the air now, uh, started doing stuff with radio that took me into that direction. So I did radio for a little while, but I still loved movies. And when they would ever have sneak screenings here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I am now, I would be the one running them. So I was literally getting paid by the hour to go show up at a movie, do promo stuff, do whatever. And if I needed to stick around, watch the movie and then do things afterwards. Uh, So I got paid to see a SpongeBob movie, for example. Not that I remember anything about it, but I did do that. And in a number of other things, it was some of the most fun that I had, particularly because it was my idea to start, at least for me that I remember, start doing movie trivia to give stuff away instead of just giving it away. And so I made the questions, the kind of thing that if you were a movie fan for that movie, you would know the answer. Wasn't for the casuals. So I apologize to all of those audiences uh, so many years later, but I realized I wanted to do more, so I went back to to school and started. Um, I, I had intended to study film at Johns Hopkins University in the D.C. area, but right when I got accepted, I got the acceptance letter, started my plans to move, turned in my notice, was applying for jobs, trying to find a place to live, found out that Johns Hopkins was not going to let anyone that hadn't already started the program go into the program. So I was like, oh. okay, I guess I will figure this out. And so I got lucky. And once again, I was studying communications, but I was able to take some independent study courses. I was able to create some independent study courses where I could use my love of cinema to discuss digital communication, which was while I was in school around the time The Dark Knight came out. And I don't know, are y'all familiar with the ARG campaign, the alternate reality campaign that they did for the Dark Knight, where they had people running around, not only... No. Oh, this was amazing. This is the same people that, I forget the name of the company now, I applied for jobs there and sadly never got anywhere. But I guess it turned out to be a good thing. Uh, do you remember the I Love Bees Halo campaign from a few yeah, years yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same people that did that, they did this. They literally had people running around the world solving problems, questions, all different kinds of things to get reveals. The first reveal of Heath Ledger in the Joker makeup was mm-hmm. revealed through this ARG. Oh, wow. Crystal took part in it, my wife, who Bowers knows. Um, 
<laughs> she took part in her uh, where she went running around on her way to work to try and take a photo. She got to meet the uh, Harvey Dent mobile and got herself an I believe in Harvey Dent button and a T-shirt and a whole bunch of press memorabilia for, you know, vote for us. So I was a, I studied that campaign and what they did and used that in a psychology course. And I wrote a paper on it and blah, 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 blah. Anyway, cut to 11 years since I've gotten my master's degree and haven't done any full-time work since then. But in those 10 years, I've worked in branding and marketing and couldn't find a way to do anything with film. But I wanted to find a way to keep myself working. So I started writing. And in graduate school, in a course I took, we had to create a website and had to submit all of our work through the website we were creating. And it, I titled it Elements of Madness based on a quote that I loved from my first year of Latin class. In all great talent lies an element of madness. So that's what I named it for. And I decided, all right, I've already got this website. I want to start writing. So I rebranded it. Well, that's 2010. We get to 2014, and I'd been writing a couple of movie reviews just to sort of do something amid the different internships I was I was on. And I saw a open call, if you will, on Twitter from a gentleman by the name of Cameron Lee, who runs a website called Culture here in Charlotte, who was looking for a film reviewer. I'd written some reviews. It's something I'd dabbled in. I was like, hey, here you go. And so on sort of a trial basis, I would write a few reviews for him. And then in 2015, I had to stop because our first son was born. And uh, when Connor was born, I basically stopped a lot of things, just sort of focused on that. But by the time that I was able to come back to writing, culture had sort of established itself really wonderfully, where instead of having people stand in line, if I could get press passes or or if I could get sneak passes or whatever else, they were now accredited. And so they could just be like, hey, we're going to send this person and go. Well, that was in 2015, 2016 spring. So about my spring break, because um, at the time I was an adjunct, I'm not teaching this semester at the moment because we have a newborn. Hello, Preston. So uh, spring of 2016, I decided, you know what? I think I really want to do this. And I talked with my wife about it, and she's incredibly supportive. Uh, she and I, for those of you that don't know, we've known each other since her freshman year at UNCA in 2001. Uh, we didn't start dating until 2005. So I've basically taken her her good years. They, she gave them <laughs> up for me. 20s, 30s, we're almost at the 40s. Uh, love her immensely. She is wonderful, uh, just incredibly supportive. And she was like, here, go try this thing. So in 2016, I started writing for myself under Elements of Madness. I rebranded it again, but this time strictly for film reviews. And since 2016, I have uh, gone from writing one review a week to writing uh, four to five times a week. <laughs> uh, as you mentioned, I got lucky and I met a wonderful guy by the name of Daryl Manziel at the Justice League sneak in 2017. The only good thing to come out of that, going to that sneak. God, was uh, it was that I long ago? 20, yep, November 2017. I'll never forget it because that's when I met. We were standing. 
I got in line and there was a bunch of dudes talking. I just happened to join them in conversation. I thought they were all together. They were not. They were just talking comic books and movies and whatnot, like you do in line. And I ended up sitting with Daryl and we got to talking and he's got this podcast, whatever else. And he invited me to join. And ever since he hasn't been able to get rid of me. <laughs> uh, so, you know, there you go. And we just, we created our own show. I think that was in 2018. Wow. That we, I think it was either 2018 or 2019. We started the cinnamon, but just been sort of slowly gathering other things. I've had a couple of contributors come onto the website and, and, with those folks, we've been able to cover Fantasia Film Festival. We just finished covering South by Southwest. I uh, was able to cover Sundance. We've covered Slam Dance, Tribeca, a few things here and there. Uh, first time as a group we were press accredited was Fantasia in, in August of 2020. But uh, we just finished doing South by Southwest, and we'll probably have about, by the time we're done with our coverage, around 30, 31, between reviews, interviews, and um stuff like that so yeah it's it's been great and i wouldn't be able to do it without crystal and certainly the rest of the team so yeah wow that's awesome so uh since you mentioned south by southwest uh -huh. um and some of the other things you've been accredited for how does that how did that process go as far as you know early on i'm assuming or you alluded to that um you know sometimes you just had to show up at a movie and hope you could <laughs> get in for the screaming as opposed to now where you can actually get accredited and all that. What does that process look like over the years? Is it just a lot of hustle and a lot of hustle, a lot of hustle. Uh, and I, <laughs> there were others in that group that uh, had far more hustle than I did. And we're just doing it for fun. The people that go to the sneaks when we would have them in theaters, they'd be at every single one waiting in line. It is unreal y'all what they would do. And one of them, um, one of them, Gabe, Gabe Lampanella, uh, I hope I'm not butchering your last name, Gabe, uh, is now a member of the North Carolina Film Critics Association. Well-deservedly so just with the work he's been doing for the UNCC's Niner Times and, and some other stuff that he's done. But yeah, with the sneaks that would happen in town, it was all about, you're never guaranteed a seat. They give out way more passes than, than they have access for. You never know how many seats are going to be given to press so or the size of the room that you're going to be in. So you never actually know if you're going to get in. The screening for Hobbs and Shaw was wrapping around the movie theater on the inside all the way to the outside. And I can't remember if they ended up opening up a second screening room for it or not. But you had people showing up like three hours beforehand trying to get in. And you had people showing up like 10 minutes ahead of time trying to get in. Good luck to those folks. But yeah. it is it is all hustle. The Right before Deadpool 2, to give you a good example, right before Deadpool 2 came out, they didn't do a press screening. Uh, not an open press screening. They were only doing a fan screening. They allowed members of the press to show up if you were accredited. Uh, to make sure that I got into that fan event... I finished an exam for my students at 12, had lunch with my mom at one, got in line at two. The screening was at seven. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so accreditation, uh, getting press accredited under my own banner, not having to go through either culture. And for a little while, I was the, uh, how did he put it? Um, 
I was basically a man in the field for a newspaper out of Asheville, uh, Mountain Express. I were I was sort of their representative for about a, a month or so before I got my own accreditation. But to be able to go under my own banner, I can just show up 15 minutes ahead of time. And it's like, hey, I'm here. Grab a seat. I'm good. And it's an incredible feeling. But it took four years to get to a point where I had reached a status where the folks that control that and they control it very well and for good reason went, okay, you may come in. And, and I was able to get accredited for that. It's, it's opened up a lot of doors as well with access to other things that particularly in light of COVID, there'd be a lot less I'd be covering of the big stuff. There's still plenty of stuff to see. I've never been uh, without an empty inbox. I don't know what an empty inbox looks like anymore, uh, but being accredited certainly helped. I don't if that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're tuning into the SM show on Palace for Life Radio. We're here with Douglas Davidson from Elements of Madness. Uh, Shane, do you have a question for Doug? Yeah. So, I mean, what is what is a day in the life of a of a film critic? What does that look like? Like, how do you? I mean, obviously, you you explain uh, explain that you're your your data too. You're married. Like, you have to a lot do a lot of balance. I'm sure uh, watching movies and doing it right is you can't be bothered. So, how how yeah. do you balance all of that? What does that look like? Um. Well, if you'd seen me a couple of days ago before I shaved and got a haircut, I looked like the dad from Teen Wolf, just with nice. more gray. That's what balancing all of that looks like. Um, no, in all seriousness, sort of the schedule that Chris and I have worked out. And of course, it helped that when I was teaching, and again, I took the semester off because we have one child in virtual kindergarten and another one that's just arrived. I didn't want to be like, have fun going off to you know teach while we've got this going on. Uh, but I would used to teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So with those being the days I was out of the house, the days I would write would be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday morning. And when I first got started, it's, it's really funny to think about it looking backwards now, but I mean, that's how life is when we look back. I would watch a movie. Let's say I went to a Thursday night screening for a movie for something that was opening up the next day. It might take me four to five days to get that review solidified before it would even go live. Now, just like any other muscle and figuring stuff out, on an average day, let's say last night. Last night was Sunday night uh, at the time of this recording. I watched a movie uh, called The Rookies, which is a new uh, Mila Jovanovic film that's coming out on the 16th. I can't talk about it. It's under embargo. But I watched it last night. So this morning I got up, I hung out with my son, Connor, and I sort of took him so that my wife didn't have to worry about two kids. So I take care of Connor for half the day till about 1230, at which point I kick him out of wherever the heck I am. He goes back to, he goes over to Crystal and she balances her job and one, if not both children. And then I just focus on writing. And when I say it out loud like that, it sounds very imbalanced. But at the moment, Preston doesn't need a whole lot of handholding. He's either awake and eating or he's asleep in a basket. Like he's super easy knocking on all the wood. Sounds like uh, my wife. Uh, what's that? What <laughs> was that? Oh. Go ahead. Mm. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, We're no, gonna, Chris, we'll cut that. We'll cut that part. It's fine. I didn't hear it, but I'm, I'm sure I deserved it. Uh, if Crystal were here, she'd probably be giving me shit too. But she really is amazing in that um, the work that she does, she's able to balance child and or children and do that. Whereas with writing, I really need to be able to focus and, and, and do what I'm doing. So I would spend the afternoon then writing. It, I, my rule of things is that if I watch something, I don't want to write about it until the next day if I can help it. There are very few instances now where the only way I would write about something sooner than the next day is if uh, there is a tight turnaround for whatever reason. I do not like to do that simply because you can have what what's a recency bias. Yeah. Oh, I just saw it. And oh, it was amazing. And I loved it. And it's this and it's that. And that's really great. But th those aren't the type of reviews that we write, uh, particularly the reviews that I write. They're far more about what 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 is it trying to do? How well does it work? How well does it not work? If it's got influences, is it honoring those influences, et cetera, et cetera. The idea that uh, a critic is supposed to be telling you what to watch is a false narrative to me. It should be about letting you know what is good or bad about the film in terms of what it's trying to do. And if it has a message, what is it trying to say? So, for example, um, I watched Godzilla versus Kong. Have you guys seen this yet? Not yet. On my watch list. Yeah. It's on your watch list? Yeah. I, have, just, I need my wife to fall asleep so I can you know, watch that. <laughs> well, <laughs> depending on who you talk to, put it on. She may fall asleep. Okay. I <laughs> would not be one of those people. I've seen it twice. And I pulled when it came available on HBO Max, I pulled it up just to watch one sequence in particular on my big, big screen. We have a 65 inch, um, which may not be big for a lot of people. It's the biggest one we got. And I was and there's a scene from the trailer where Kong pulls back and just sucker punches Godzilla. And I just wanted to see it on my on my on my 65 inch TV. <laughs> but a film like Godzilla versus Kong, it doesn't have the subtext that some of the other films do. Because when you look at where Godzilla started as an exploration, not just of, of the nuclear age in terms of the sci-fi films that were coming out of there, it came out of the 50s. This was right, they were, Japan was still reeling from the bomb being dropped. That's what Godzilla is about. It's about the exploration of man and nature and what are the side effects of this. Another way of looking at King Kong coming out of the 30s is the subjugation of, of America on other countries, particularly colonization. They go into a country and go, there's something amazing. Let's throw it in chains and bring it home. Like there's, there's some gnarly commentary in these films. Not in this one. Not in this one. This is literally just big animal fight, big animal punch. There's no subtext here. And I thought it was a lot of fun. It's literally a roller coaster ride at one point would be the best way to describe it. So my approach to things is wait the next day so that I finish watching Godzilla versus Kong go, oh, it was amazing. And then the next day I can go, but what was it? What was it trying to do? And sure, it's fun. But what about this? And oh, and what about that? to allow it to sort of sink in. So my process is to give myself the opportunity to stop being excited and really think about it. Let it marinate a little bit. Some films require that. Some films don't. 
uh, I found myself getting um, oddly deep about the films you wouldn't expect. Like Bill and Ted face the music. I, I was like, oh, and it's talking about this and the exploration of this and how when we're old and we look back and the disappointment of da-da-da. So that's that for me is what it's about. It's not about telling you, Shane, you need to see this movie. It's here's why if you watch it, you might want to consider these ideas and concepts. But absolutely, there are movies that I can't stand and don't understand why people like them. You like it, good on you. Keep liking it. Absolutely. I mean, shit, I love uh, Return of the Killer Tomatoes. That's not quality cinema, but it's fun. And it's a good movie with a history. So for me, a day is I watch a movie the night before, the next day, spend half of it with my son, and then I write. And uh, I've got about four, four and a half hours of writing time before life kicks back up again. This is actually, we're recording on my night off. And I was supposed to be watching something for the upcoming Spirit Awards, but uh, I needed I needed a decompression night. So I'm doing Dogma instead from Kevin Smith. I, I watched uh, the documentary Clerk that's about him by Malcolm Ingram about Kevin Smith. And I've just been wanting to revisit Dogma ever since. So you guys gave me the perfect excuse. So thank you. Thank yeah, you. glad to do awesome. it. <laughs> So um, you mentioned your inbox and how it, you just can't keep it empty nowadays. Um, it's, it's a terrible problem to have. So it's I'm assuming problem. these are these are uh, uh, distributors and folks trying to get you to review their film, or it's it's all manner of folks. Uh, what's really wonderful about my approach to things, I'm always interested in a good story. So I'm not interested in only covering Netflix, only covering Paramount, Lionsgate, Amazon, Hulu, whatever. I'm not interested in just the big stuff. I also like covering indies as well. And thankfully, I've been able to either people have found my reviews and gone, hey, would you check out? Or because I covered X, hey, we thought you might like Y. So I've got stuff from like when I say indie, like a guy made a animated film and it just hit my inbox today. I'm new to this industry. I'm not entirely sure how to go about getting reviews. Would you be interested in this film? I haven't even had time at this point to watch the trailer, but I get that kind of email. I get emails from directors that they don't have publicists. So, hey, we made this movie. Would you be interested? Uh, sometimes it's through the powers that be, the people at Allied Marketing that are that are tasked by the studios. Hey, we've got this film coming out we can make a link available if you want. And sometimes it's, I contact them. Do you know if this is something I can get access to now? Thankfully, and this isn't uh, necessarily a direct correlation, but thankfully because I'm in the organizations that I'm in, when I put in requests, it's more likely that I'll hear something positive back, but it's never a guarantee because it's often about the relationships that you have with the people you've worked with. And sometimes if you can get in, it's easier to stay in, whereas the getting in part is the hard part. And uh, there are plenty more way talented people that have published at much larger uh, publications that uh, don't even get responses back. So the fact that I get anything back is is absolutely a miracle. But, um, you know, it's... 
there's all manner of things. And certainly being having covered South by Southwest, as an example, this was the first time we were fully press accredited. Uh, I'm still getting emails from folks because it was like, hey, you covered this. Would you be interested in that over there? So now there's other festivals that I'm hearing about just from publicists. So that if we wanted to, as a, as a website, cover a film, the publicist is always reaching out to us. So we can sort of not necessarily go around the festival, but we can figure out other ways to do it in conjunction with. It's pretty neat. Pretty neat. Yeah. Have you found, because obviously South by Southwest was online this year. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found the pandemic to be, to make things easier to navigate in your work or more difficult or a little bit of both? Here's here's the interesting thing. Before I was accredited and I was, you know, lining up for the sneaks, whatever else, most of the films that I that I watched were at home. So that part hasn't changed. And thanks to again, Crystal's generosity, we took the room that had sort of become her office and she's turned it into my screening room. Uh, so she'll actually be coming in to join me when we're done to finish watching dogma, but I've got a, we, we invested in a surround sound and all this other stuff so that when I watch movies, I can watch it in the best version of what we've got as possible. So whether I'm running HDMI cable to this computer over to the stereo, or I've got an Apple TV or whatever else can try and do that. So South by Apple TV, watch it that way. But last night I was doing it through my computer running an HDMI cable. So to answer your question, it hasn't changed too much for me, but here's, if you'll call it a good thing, there are plenty of writers and critics with disabilities that don't get to cover film prior to COVID because the theaters or the studios or whomever else aren't equipped to deal with it. And something that I've learned by listening and trying to learn from people that are more established than I am and in different areas that with COVID, there was a lot of, we can't do this that we've learned. Yeah, we can like this right here. You know, we're using zoom to have this conversation and is it the best version of a radio show? Maybe not because we're not in front of each other because we're not in a formal studio, et cetera, et cetera, but we can do it. And something that we've learned from COVID is that there are ways to get people screeners so that individuals with disabilities can actually be part of this more than what the studios and the people with access have said. So this has been a wonderful learning opportunity that I hope, hope continues post-COVID because uh, certainly for me, I've got a couple of, of health issues that even though I'm halfway to being vaccinated, I'm still not running out to the theater. Uh, so I am hoping to be able to keep doing some of what I do from home. Also with two kids, it's more convenient. So I would say with COVID, it has changed a little bit for me and that there's some studio films I've been able to watch at home. But I hope that it continues that way. I hope that this is is the beginning of how do we make it easier for more voices? So yeah. that's if that sort of answers it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It answers it and then some. Oh, what's up? It's your man, Montel Jordan. This is how we do it. We got it locked on the Pals for Life radio. New internet radio station for the 80s, 90s, and 2000 hits, including yours truly, Montel Jordan. Listen live at 
HowlsRadio.com because this is how we do it. Okay, welcome back. I uh, hope you enjoyed the first part of the interview with Doug. Uh, we're going to play part two next week. Uh, it's probably about another 30 minutes or so. Like I said, we go into favorite movies. We go into uh, quizzing him on rappers and movies. Uh, he does fairly well, all things considered. Uh, wait, sorry, say it again. Uh, sorry. No, I'm saying to get uh, the interview, like he's, he's a great interview. Like I really enjoyed talking to Doug. Like I listen to that guy. He's the type of guy I could listen to for hours. Like his stories were great. They're on point. He, he has, he has a lot of great things to say, but, uh, we have a little more fun with him next week. So it's, uh, well, uh, the interview was amazing it, totally, totally interesting. Learned a lot. And, uh, next week gets a little more fun. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, we're just about at the top of the hour. Uh, we wanted to end the show as we do every week with our favorite segment. And I think you know what it is. It's time for the douchebag of the week. The douchebag of the week is brought to you this week by nobody because we have no sponsors, but you can change that by giving us money. In the meantime, tying your name and tying your name to douchebag of the week. Uh, yeah, I could think of like maybe three companies that probably want to do that uh, in the entire world. Maybe four world. if you think outside the box. Oh, uh, well, well played. Um, I'm, I'm not going to uh, address that with a response, but uh, Shane, who do you got for douchebag of the week in week number two? All right, so this week I have Miles Walker out of AOK Walker Auto Works in Peachtree City, Georgia. So uh, Miles decided to pay one of his uh, employees. So he was a little bit disgruntled about what was going on. I sent you the story a little earlier in the week. But his uh, employee, Andres Flatten, uh, didn't really go into the details of why he's a former employee. But uh, obviously he did something to piss this guy off because he delivered his final paycheck. And he wasn't going to do it until he involved the Georgia Division of Labor Works into this. But he delivered 91,515 pennies. And not only did he distribute these pennies onto his driveway, he put a note that said, fuck you on it, and then oil soaked the penny. You're listening to Pals for Life Radio. Join the movement at palsradio.com.